the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Living in Harmony with One Another. Living in Harmony with One Another. The surprise attack Hamas launched on Israel two centuries ago was an act of sheer evil beyond our description. The unspeakable brutality and destruction of human life is beyond our imagination. More than 1,300 innocent and defenseless Israelis have been slaughtered and thousands wounded. We have seen images of mothers and fathers weeping for their sons and daughters. Videos of women being dragged by their hair to be taken as hostages. Stories of rape, the beheading of soldiers and children, babies being burnt to death. And with tears in our eyes, we wonder how such barbarism could take place in 2023. The same is true of the inhumane treatment of the defenseless Palestinian people. What is happening is a human tragedy, a violation of every code of human morality. Evil appears to be gaining the upper hand in our world, and there is very little we can do to counteract it. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came from heaven as the Prince of Peace to show us that there is hope for humankind. He died and rose from the grave that those who believe in him might live as God's children in the midst of the evil that has corrupted and devastated our society and our world. Jesus established the church to be the model of how redeemed humanity, indwelt by his Spirit, should live here and now. This message today from 1 Peter chapter 3 is addressed to believers in Christ, members of the Church of the Living God. Think for a moment of the church of which you are a member or simply being a tender. What if all of the, its members had or lived in harmony with one another? What if each member had a sympathetic spirit 
able to share the feelings of others, rejoicing with the joyful and weeping with those who weep? What if each member loved each other's brothers and sisters? What if each member was compassionate, kind, swift to encourage and to help? Yes, and what if each member had a humble spirit, a readiness to serve in lowly ways, a willingness to listen and respect the contribution of others? Well, you would probably say that's an impossible ideal. Such a church does not exist. Yes, this is an ideal, but it is what life in this unique fellowship called the church is meant to be. Peter, in the first two chapters of this letter, tells us of how, as believers in Christ, we should live in relation to the world, to government, to employers, uh, to husbands and wives. But here in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, he gives us a summary of the qualities which we should express in our relationship with every person who comes into our lives, especially those who are our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. The first quality Peter mentions is we should be of one mind. First Peter 3, 8, in the New Living Translation says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. And in the New International Version, it says, finally, all of you be like-minded, Now, Peter is here speaking of the harmony that should exist in the body of Christ, the church. We live in a society in which there is more disharmony than harmony. Violence of one kind or another threatens the very fabric of human society. There's domestic violence, youth violence, racial violence, violence between nations, as we see between Israel and Gaza right now, and between Russia and Ukraine, all of which have caused many people to lose hope in the political, economic, and social structures of society. Any keen observer of contemporary American society will tell you that America is facing political, moral, spiritual, and ethical problems which threaten the future of our country as never before. In the midst of this situation stands the Church of Jesus Christ, a body of redeemed human beings whom God has called to demonstrate the divine order of things. Believers who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord constitute a special group of people who have been redeemed by Christ and made part of the family of God. As the children of God, believers are no longer under the dominion of Satan, but have been freed to become what God intends us to be. The church does not receive its agenda from political and civic leaders, but from the Lord of heaven and earth. And at the center of the church's agenda is the proclamation of good news, that through faith in the Son of God, human beings can be liberated from bondage to Satan. The church is to demonstrate by its life and teachings 
the results of this liberation from sin's power. And one such result is the living of life in harmony with God and with one another. All of us have witnessed the harmony of an orchestra when all the instruments are in tune and all the musicians are following the lead conductor. That is a picture of the harmony that ought to exist among the people of God. It may not exist among the people of the world, but it should exist among the people of God. And such harmony will be in sharp contrast to the disharmony we see even in Washington right now between the congressional leaders who should know better and be united in order to carry on the people's business. Unfortunately, the church can often be a reflection of what is happening in the society because we take the things that are happening in the society into the church and um, it creates all kinds of problems in the church. You cannot have harmony in the church when Christians are at enmity with each other. You cannot have harmony when there are members who desire to see other members fail in their efforts at ministry. Where there is disharmony and disunity in the church, we know that sin is present and Satan is at work. The solution is not organizational. It is spiritual and members need to get right with God when there is conflict within the body of Christ. There will be harmony when believers recognize who they are as children of God and seek the will of God together. Brothers and sisters, there is no room in God's church for fights, quarrels, negative criticisms, backbiting, prejudices, and discrimination of any kind. Our Heavenly Father requires us, his children, to live in harmony with one another, to be like-minded. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, and I'm sort of going between Peter and Paul here in this, in this message to show the unity of, uh, of thought in the Scriptures, that Peter says one thing and Paul says the same thing also, perhaps in, in a different way. But Paul, in Romans chapter 15, verses 5 through 7, says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. In order for us to live in harmony, Peter mentions five other qualities. And so number two, we should be sympathetic. And you find this in, in verse 8. It says, be sympathetic. So whenever you find a church functioning well, one of the qualities that will be evident is sympathy. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26, that within the body of Christ, when one member suffers, then all suffer. 
And so Paul says, God put our bodies together in such a way that even the parts that seem least important are valuable. He did this to make all parts of the body work together smoothly, with each part caring about the others. If one part of our body hurts, we hurt all over. If one part of our body is honored, the whole body will be happy. And then Paul also says in Romans 12, 15, he says, when others are happy, be happy with them. And when they are sad, be sad. You see, in our experience, it is much easier to weep with those who weep than to rejoice with those who rejoice. Why? Because of envy and jealousy. For example, if we are in the same business, in the same profession as someone else, and we see them getting ahead, and perhaps we are not getting ahead, it's very difficult to rejoice with them in their success. There's still enough selfishness in us that rather than rejoice in another's success, we find subtle ways to reign on their parade. Like, yes, but. So I would suggest that we leave the but out of your praise of others. You're not praising them if there is a but connected with it. Sympathy on the weeping side involves more than mere sorrow or regret for another person's circumstances. Sympathy, desire to help. As Christians, we have a responsibility to do what we can to help those who need our help, whether they are within the church or in the society. You see, when, as brothers and sisters, we are in sorrow, we are in pain, we are in trouble, we are in need, we ought to find ways to help one another. As a church, we are getting to be truly a Christ-centered, caring church, something that I envisioned 43 years ago and placed that as the motto of the church, a Christ-centered, caring church. But thirdly, we should love one another. Peter says that. He says, love one another. Still in verse 8. There are numerous instructions in the New Testament to love each other. Paul in Romans 12 and verse 10 says, love one another warmly as Christians and be eager to show respect for one another. And in Hebrews 13.1, the author there says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Brotherly love should characterize our relationship with each other in the family of God. Where that love is not practiced, in a church there you'll find envy, evil speaking, strife, and other evils. Brotherly love is loving a fellow believer because he or she is a member of the body of Christ. We love one another because we share a common father or God 
and a brother, Jesus Christ. And he has told us that we need to love one another. We should love one another. But number four, we should be compassionate. First Peter 3.8, compassion is the very essence of God. He reveals himself in Christ as a God who is kind and compassionate toward us, even in our rebellion against him. So how do we become compassionate? By having a close relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Is the closer we are to him, the more compassionate we will become. A person who is lacking in compassion is a person who is not growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You cannot be compassionate and be unforgiving at the same time. The evidence that we are compassionate is our willingness to forgive those who hurt us. When you forgive someone, it doesn't mean pretending nothing happened or you weren't hurt. It is not saying what happened was okay. Genuine forgiveness can be defined in two parts. First, forgiveness relinquishes the right to retaliate. And second, Forgiveness should lead to the restoration of the relationship, as in the story of the prodigal son. Learning to forgive may be the most difficult lesson there is for us to learn in the Christian life. It goes against our sinful nature. You see, when I'm wronged, I instinctively want to retaliate. If you hit me, I want to hit you back. If you insult me, I want to insult you back. When our pride is wounded, our sense of justice demands retaliation. Though it may be difficult, it's essential that we learn to release bitterness and forgive one another. Oh, the Bible makes it clear that there's a direct correlation between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. Our motivation for forgiveness is that God has forgiven us. And when I consider how much God has forgiven me through the years of my Christian life especially, how can I ever refuse to forgive the person who has wronged me? Forgiveness is difficult, but God, through his Spirit, gives us the strength and the ability to forgive, something which in our human strength is difficult and perhaps even impossible. But when the Spirit of God is at work in us, then forgiveness is something that we can give as well as receive. But number five, we should be humble. And uh, 1 Peter 3.8 says, uh, be compassionate and humble. And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
Humility, says someone, is that virtue which when you think you have it, you have lost it. So the humble person is not only one who refrains from boasting and bragging, but also rejoices in the success of others. It is human nature to put self first, to hold self as highly important. It is encouraged in our society to the extent that most of us think far more of ourselves than we ought to think. As Christians, we can develop humility by recognizing our dependence upon God. There are no self-made persons in this world. Regardless of how much money they have, how popular they may be, or what standing they may enjoy on the social ladder. We are completely dependent upon God for everything we have, most of which, the greatest of which is the life that he has given us. And any time he desires, he can withdraw the breath of life from us. When we recognize that we are completely dependent upon God for everything that we have, then humility ought to be the inevitable result. If we are to boast, says Paul, let us boast in the Lord about what the Lord has done for us. That's the only boasting that we can do, is to boast in the Lord. If we are believers, the world can boast about what they have achieved and all the other things that, um, that they think highly of. But for us as believers, according to the Scriptures, If we are to boast, we boast in the Lord and what he has done. But finally, we should be a blessing to one another. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, Peter says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do and he will grant you his blessing. And Paul is saying the same thing in Romans chapter 12, uh, 17 and 18. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And also in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15, Paul says, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. You see, when you are abused or slighted, when people take advantage of you or accuse you unjustly, what sort of response do you give? Regardless of your situation, the scriptures say you are to retaliate with a blessing. That's the only thing that we retaliate with, a blessing. But how do we bless those who have wronged us? By forgiving them. If we will forgive those who have insulted us and do evil against us, thereby bestowing a blessing upon them, God will bless us in like manner. Peter says that when we bring blessings to others, we are blessed ourselves. The blessings we will receive are not only in eternity, 
but here and now as we live our lives in this world. The good that we do to others will come back to us in a variety of ways, and all of us can attest to that because we have seen it working in our, in our lives. As we exemplify these six characteristics which Peter gives us, we will enjoy the abundant blessings of God. The Lord redeemed us to live in harmony with each other, to be sympathetic, to be loving, to be compassionate, to be humble, and to be a blessing to others. God wants us to be loving, generous, gracious, helpful, and kind to one another, unlike what we see happening in our society today. When God's love is ruling our lives, tongues speak no criticism, shoulders carry no chips, hands work no evil, lips repeat no gossip, hearts hold no grudge, lives reflect no selfishness, attitudes reveal no jealousy, and words create no bitterness. God has set very high standards for us as children. He wants us to choose to be a blessing than to receive a blessing. He wants us to choose to give rather than to receive, to help rather than to be helped, to choose to serve rather than be served. And because we all fall short of our Lord's design for us, our desire today, at least the desire that I have, is expressed in the words of a hymn. Lord, I want to be a Christian. In my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be like Jesus. In my heart, in my heart. And so let it be. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.